You're listening to Way in the Wilderness podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Kevin. Together with our families, we bought homes next to one another and set out on a journey to create a buildingless church in the mountains of North Carolina. We're committed to learning to better love our neighbors and better love the creation all around us, believing that in doing so, we will better know and experience the love of the Creator. We're grateful each day to be in community with the people here and with each one of you. We are in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Kevin and I have started a faith community here that we are calling Way in the Wilderness, a Church Without Walls. It is, as the name implies, a church without walls. We have no building and don't want one. As much as possible, we gather in the community and outdoors in the creation, and there are many reasons for this. And often as we gather, we talk about creation being a co-congregant with us in worship. And even now you may hear some birds uh, chirping around us. So Kevin, what does it mean for creation to be a co-congregant? I think our understanding of creation as a co-congregant is grounded in our understanding of who God is. In the faith tradition, which we are part of the Christian faith, there's an understanding that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three and yet one, three existing in perfect community and unity with one another. The early church would call this uh, perichoresis, a divine dance. And there's this image of God as having this perfect relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that perfect relationship is a mutual indwelling back and forth between the Father and the Son and the Son to the Spirit. I mean, I can't think of a better way than to imagine a, a perfectly in-step dance. And when I think about who God is at God's essence as being relationship, it, it makes me understand maybe a little bit of what God was doing in the beginning when God created all things. I've got this idea in my head that maybe God was spending this time in perfect relationship together and then said, wow, this is this is just too wonderful and beautiful to just keep to ourself. So God creates and God wants you and I and all the creation to be able to participate in this divine dance, this beautiful relationship filled with love. And so when God creates humans, it's an invitation to join that dance. When God creates the animals and the trees and the birds, it's an invitation for the creation to join that dance. And so part of what, when I think about the idea of, of creation as co-congregant, it's, it's recognizing that we are deeply interconnected with the creation, that we are deeply a part of creation's worship to God. And Psalm 66, it talks about like, let the whole earth worship and sing praises to God. And that interconnectedness, I think, flows even from the way God creates at the beginning. I love the, the story in Genesis chapter 2 that, that has God creating out of the soil. Uh, and in the Hebrew, the word for soil is Adama. And out of the Adama comes Adam. And not just Adam, but 
you see later on in that creation story how God creates these partners for Adam, the, these animals and these trees. And out of, out of that same soil, the same stuff that we share, is this, this creation just comes bubbling up. And so literally deep within our bones, we can even talk about it on a scientific level, we share this deep interconnectedness with creation. And so when we talk about creation being a co-congregant, it's about learning to live into that right relationship of love I think that that God is calling not just you and I uh, to join that relationship with God, but to have a right relationship with one another, ourselves, and all of the creation. Yeah. So, what do we miss when we uh, separate ourselves from creation? When we step outside of um, the creation that may be surrounding us, and whether it's in worship or um, in community? What do we miss uh, when we're indoors and separated from that? I think back to my previous congregation and one of the first weeks I, I came to, to join them in worship and I walked into the sanctuary and was surprised to see these beautiful, like open windows that had blooming trees and like these mountain views and everything all around it. I, I came and walked into the sanctuary and those windows were closed up. Literally the, the blinds had been closed up and shut. Uh, and I was told later on that was to, to make sure that the carpet didn't fade. And I thought to myself, man, what are we missing out here? And the more I began to, to think about that, the more I began to realize that there's a whole theology at work here. The idea that we can only worship between, you know, like 68 and 72 degrees or whatever temperature makes us comfortable. We will only let creation in that much or we got to keep the windows closed so the sun doesn't fade the carpet or, well, we'll bring in some flowers into the sanctuary. But that that's enough of the creation. It creates this theology of not only just comfort, but of of us as human beings being the host to creation. We get to decide how much of the creation gets let in. And I don't think that's ever the way God intended it. In the garden, the garden of Eden, God and the creation are the host to the human. I think that part of part of our hope is that by being able to move outside and being a part of the creation, uh, we begin to recognize that we're no longer the host. We are certainly the guest. I know this every time a mosquito lands on me or it gets to be <laughs> right. 30 degrees outside and it's cold. Uh, but there, there's a this comforting part of it. But what it what it does is it draws us into a deeper consciousness of our interconnectedness, of, of who we are, um, of, you know, it pulls us away from this idea that that we are the center of the universe. Yeah. So you mentioned comfort, um, which I think is really uh, interesting. And, and then the other word that comes to mind is control. And that's so often in, gosh, it plays out in our worship, but I wonder if it plays out in uh, the way so many of us might live out our faith even, um, that we want to be the ones in control, uh, that we want to create spaces where we feel comfortable and that stepping outside of, of that control or stepping outside of those places of comfort uh, is intimidating. 
And if it's intimidating uh, or difficult for us as we gather and worship together as a community, then I wonder how much more difficult it is if we're thinking about reaching out uh, into people or to places and to people who might make us uncomfortable, uh, that may not look like us or act like us. And I wonder if there's just some correlation between those, those two things. Yeah, I definitely think so. There seems to be, I mean, a definite correlation here. I wonder if there's a desire within us always to move towards conformity or uniformity because that makes us comfortable. Um, but when we do that, what we're missing out on is the beautiful diversity, uh, not just of, of the creation and the many unique gifts of the creation, but we're missing out on the many splendored images of who God is. In fact, we're missing out, I think, on, on God. I mean, even within the Godhead, there's this beautiful diversity. Uh, the Father is not the Son, is not the Holy Spirit, and yet all are God. So there's there's a unity without there being a conformity or a uniformity. And I think that for us as, as people who, who try to follow this triune God in the world, we have to, to recognize that our ways of, of keeping to ourselves are, at the end of the day, keeping us from from seeing God. So it's interesting to me as we have so I just think about the past eight years of being in pastoral ministry. And if I were to think about one, two, three, four, a handful of times of worship and what those times of worship meant to me or what I recall from those times of worship, it's interesting to me that even the few times that we did worship outside, whether it was a, a Easter morning service um, or uh, an evening service outdoors, that it is those times of worship that are the first moments of worship that come to mind, even though they are much fewer than all the other times that we gathered indoors. But there's something that stands out in those moments. And I can remember even wind that blew at a certain moment while I was receiving communion or wind blew and, and knocked all of our bulletins all over the place and we were all left scrambling. So even sort of chaotic moments, they stand out when we allow creation to be a part. I, I think about Lake June, Alaska. My family was there for an annual conference and it was soon after we had started discussing sort of welcoming creation and nature into our life in more regular ways and we had the opportunity to either walk to a house or to drive a car to a house and it was starting to rain and we said you know what? we're going to embrace creation <laughs> and we're going to go on this walk even though we might get soaking wet and um and we did we got soaking wet it poured so hard and uh it was thundering like crazy and we were running together as a family and i i can i remember that i remember the expressions on the kids faces and i uh remember showing up at our friend's house dripping wet and gosh there's you know in the moment it's one of those things that uh you know it was it, it was humorous um that you don't think is going to last as a memory but i think because we allowed a sense of control or let go of a sense of control and allowed um 
creation to to be a host to us in sort of unexpected ways. Those unexpected moments, whether it's getting soaking wet or whether it's the breeze blowing over uh, a pile of bulletins or whether it's a breeze blowing uh, across my face as I'm receiving communion, that all those things stand out above the rest. Yeah, to me, that's no surprise because, I mean, where do we see God first in, a, in the scriptures, but in a garden, right? There's this, I think there's this reality that God made us to both live and play in the creation. Uh, and so there's there's a part of me when I see your kids outside during a, a real big rainstorm, when it's really pouring down, they have a tendency to run outside and just run into the rain. And, and I have those tendencies myself every once in a while, though I confess it's been a few years since I've done that. But there's something about like being that close, that intimate with the creation that I think what we're doing is we're we're coming into intimate contact with the creator. It's it's you know, we talk about being able to see Jesus in the other or seeing Jesus and those who are hurting or those who have experienced loss um, because Jesus is there or Jesus talks about, you know, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Each time Jesus is saying, here I am. But I think there's also a reality that here in the creation, Jesus is saying, here I am too. Here is how you can experience me. I think the Gospel of John talks about this so well. Um, and this, this idea that the Word became flesh. And what really surprised me about that understanding is for the, for the longest time when I heard that, I thought about just human flesh. But then I, I was at a, a conference with a particular theologian who studied creation care and, and, and especially the Gospel of John. And he, he mentioned how this, this word for flesh in here was more emblematic of the flesh of all things of all creation, uh, the stuff that holds us together, you might say, the DNA. Uh, Jesus became all flesh. Jesus became, the word became one of us. And there's something so beautiful about that, that it doesn't surprise me that we can see God in those moments, even those chaotic moments of the wind blowing everything around. And the reality is it's not just you and I, uh, it's not just Christians who, who understand this, but I think people all across time and cultures and places have all seen that there is an intimacy that we can experience these spiritual moments in the creation. When I've gone around and talked to um, interfaith groups about creation care, one of the first things I often ask them to do is to imagine ex an experience in creation where they saw God. And it is so, so easy for people to come up with these things. And as I say this to them, I see faces light up. I see smiles begin to happen as they share their stories. And I think that we all have access to that, con that kind of common story. Um, where we begin to have trouble is over time we've we've begun to separate ourselves out from those stories, we begin to separate ourselves out from the creation. We, instead of calling it creation anymore, we call it things like natural resources or things that at best we steward, but at worst we, we use for our own benefits, we exploit, misuse, abuse. Uh, and so we have to, to move our way back to that understanding of how do we fall back in love with creation? 
Yeah, and that's what I was going to – I think about – so two things came to mind as you were talking. Um, the first is one of the foundational points of our ministry here is this belief that if we can learn to fall in love with creation again, learn to love the created world around us that is created by the creator, uh, that a piece of that will lead us to a love of God and a greater understanding of who God is and of even God's love for us. The second thing that stood out to me uh, was you had mentioned people smiling when you uh, ask them those questions about uh, the ways and places they've seen God in and through creation. And uh, I think about uh, an experience that I had uh, not that long ago at Warren Wilson College, just down the road from us here. And uh, Kevin and I were at a, a conference. We had a break time and it was a beautiful day. And so we went on a walk together. We found this massive tree and it had branches that were swooping down low all the way to the ground. And I looked at the tree and I thought, you know, it's been a long time since I have climbed into a tree. And this one was just inviting me in. It had those branches just almost bowing down, uh, asking me to come and to rest. And so I did climbed up a few limbs and found a nook that was uh, seemed to be just the right size for me and for my back to rest. And I laid back and could feel the wind in the same way we just talked about the wind blowing. I could feel the wind blowing across my brow and through my hair. And it was instant peace. And I remember looking up through the green leaves in the many branches and seeing the sun kind of shimmer as the wind blew those branches uh, and just resting my head back and, and allowing that peace to kind of envelop me. And uh, I think I even said to you in that moment, I think I actually love this tree. <laughs> and I, I can't remember ever saying that at any point in my life before that I love this tree. I never, uh, never thought of myself as a, a tree hugger. I, uh, in a very literal sense, I don't go around hugging trees. Uh, but this tree I wanted to hug. I was so thankful for, for the moment that I was able to have uh, sitting there and the peace that I felt. It made me want to go back and experience it again. And there's something really beautiful in that. And, and it wasn't just the tree itself. Right? The tree pointed me uh, to God's love made manifest through this tree as even a, a means of grace. And it's funny, I think I, I preached a sermon the next week at my previous congregation on uh, how everybody everybody in the church needed to go climb a tree that week. Like that was my, that was my encourage, that was the message for the week was, I can't explain it, but you need to go climb a tree because, I mean, think about it. For, for so many people, we hit a certain age. You mentioned my kids who have this joy, this amazing joy for creation that when they see something, they want to show us, right? They want us to see God at work, uh, whether it's a small ant that's crawling by. We've talked about monarchs lately, which we have in our garden and the chrysalises that they're forming and all that excitement. And But somewhere along the lines, and I'm not sure why, and I'm sure it's not all of us, but so many of us lose the sense of wonder over creation and uh, we stopped climbing trees. And so I ask, when's the last time you climbed a tree? 
if it hasn't been in a while, then I think we're, we're overdue for those experiences. Absolutely. And these are the experiences we hope to get in worship as well, uh, which is another reason why worshiping together outdoors, going on hikes together, breaking bread, sharing communion together on those hikes is, uh, is going to be an important practice for us here. Yeah, there's something about uh, children that remind us how to wonder again. And I've noticed this even with my own daughter as she, uh, we've got a garden out front in our, well, what used to be our, our yard. Now it's just a giant <laughs> garden. And uh, I take her outside and she's, she's just 19 months old now, but she knows where to go to pick the raspberries and the sugar snap peas and the strawberries and the choke berries. And she goes in and she wants to pick the tomatoes and all the different, all the different beautiful pieces of creation that, um, that are just so inviting to us. And I've always just wondered at her wonderment, um, like, what is she seeing? What is she tasting and experiencing right now? And it brings me back to, uh, what a professor of mine uh, once said that the creation and especially things like food like strawberries and sugar snap peas that they are god's love made delicious <laughs> that it's god's love made tangible and and tasty <laughs> and i think there's something about that that sometimes gets us into trouble of course i know my daughter will sometimes pick up the wrong thing and start eating it uh, have to keep her away from the poison ivy because she thinks that she can eat that too. Uh, but it is a beautiful thing just to see her constantly going around. She even gets in our little herb garden and she picks the, the peppermint and the lavender and then she smells it and then makes everyone around her smell it too. Uh, she is she's embracing the goodness of the creation. And as you mentioned earlier, I think the goodness of the creation draws us into the goodness of God. Uh, this is the way God becomes present to us. And so, of course, that, that question for me is, you know, if, if climate change and what's happening around us, um, if it is a symptom of a broken relationship, like our, our broken relationship to the land and to God and to one another, uh, then it seems to me appropriate that, that wonder and love and amazement will be an important part in the healing and reconciling of the world. I think that's right. We, one of the things that, that Kevin, you and I talk a lot about is, you know, so often in our churches and in our faith communities, we begin with this idea of learning to love God. And that if we can just learn to love God, then we can learn to love our neighbors. If we can just learn to love God, then we can learn to love creation. And I know you talk some about uh, how maybe that's backwards, or, or maybe we can do it that way, but maybe that's not even the easiest way um, to get to know God. And that maybe through learning to love creation, seeing God at work in creation, and maybe learning to meet our neighbors, invite our neighbors over for dinner, to share a meal together, that as we learn to love those, not just those that uh, are similar to us or those we even think we might always want to spend time with, but as we get to know the people around us and we see 
the goodness of God in them as part of creation as well, that we then get a, a taste of God's goodness and love that draws us closer. Absolutely. I think, I think it was one of the early church fathers who said something along those lines of start by loving the rocks and the trees, and then you'll find yourself loving animals and eventually people. And then finally, we'll find ourselves loving God. Uh, and I always, you know, there's a lot of images in the Old Testament of God being a very jealous God, but jealous for our love. But this particular saint kind of turned that on our head, on its head a little bit, saying that like God wasn't jealous. God would use any 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 part of the creation to draw us into God's love. There was something about that 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 God was just simply open to the rest of creation. There was this stance of openness um, that was constantly inviting. That I just I love that idea, and I think that's something we've begun to experience here. I remember. Maybe that was at that same, I think it was at that same conference where you <laughs> climbed the tree, where we were part of a wild church group, which uh, is a sort of a movement and network of churches, which uh, are just meeting in various places outside of buildings. So that could be a, a parking lot or a, a coffee shop or just in the middle of the woods. And this particular speaker said to us, well, you know, we're going to get outside the building here and we're going to go into the woods. So everybody pick up your chair and we headed out into the woods and the path was immediately blocked by a ton of poison ivy. And if you know anything about me, I abhor poison ivy. I will wear a I have video suit. evidence of the hazmat suit. <laughs> uh, so when we had to start walking through poison ivy, I was not exactly thrilled. And then to top it all off, she said, well, we're actually just going to sit right here in the poison ivy, basically. I mean, it wasn't even like, let's find a patch where it's not. Let's just plop down here. So we sat down in our chairs as I carefully tried not to touch anything. And um, eventually, you're in the middle of the woods. It's you know, the woods of <laughs> Western North Carolina. There are a lot of mosquitoes and a mosquito landed on me. And I just remember like, whack, slapping this mosquito and killing it. Because, you know, I mean, what good are mosquitoes? And I remember lo looking up and seeing our leader's face in absolute <laughs> horror as she's like, what did you just do? Here we are talking about loving creation and you just smashed it. And I realized that the problem in that second, and without saying a word, she just lifts up a, a bottle of bug spray and says, this is why we do holy misting beforehand <laughs> of the bug spray. And... I, I, I share this story because I've, I recognize even within myself that there are parts of the creation that are really easy to love, like beautiful mountain vistas and waterfalls. And there are parts of creation that are really hard to love, like mosquitoes and ticks and spiders and things like that. Uh, and they might play an integral role in the creation and we can maybe appreciate that, but we still have a hard time loving parts of the creation and that's no different than people right i mean some people are easier to love than others for us and i'm sure that i'm harder to love than others for for different people but i think that that invitation that she was offering in that moment and that i'm trying to live into is this very invitation that even in that mosquito could i find that as i loved it mm -hmm. i would be loving god better that i would be coming to know god better that i would be living into right relationship better. And I think that 
that, that that's hard. I mean, I I'm I'm nowhere near it yet. I love my okra and I love my things that provide wonderful benefits from the garden, but yeah, I have trouble with some of the other parts of creation. And but I am finding uh, that as I'm opening myself up to the creation, that I'm experiencing God more and more. I love that. I love that, Kevin. I I think I think what you're saying applies to uh, both the natural world around us and, as you mentioned. Maybe our neighbors, yeah, and the folks that are living around us as well, and especially the ones that live next door to us. <laughs> we live next door to one another. For those of you who don't know, absolutely, absolutely. Well, good. Well, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate your thoughts. Um, I'm excited to continue to grow and to learn together. You've taught me uh, just in the short time that we've been uh, on this journey together much about witnessing and seeing the goodness of God in creation. And I look forward to more of that. Thanks.